You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, and welcome to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. You're listening to episode 72, and I am your host, Chrissy Beltran. Today, I am talking with my guest, Angela Kelly, and we are chatting about how we can use that principal and coach relationship to really impact a school positively and how we can build a positive and productive principal-coach relationship. Back in, I think it was episode 66, I talked to JC Ippolito about how essential that coaching and principal relationship is that, that coaches that have really well-defined roles and principals who are on board with those roles, that there's a shared vision, that that's whenever coaching can be really, really effective across your school. And I really thought this was such an important idea that I wanted to dig further into it with my guest, Angela Kelly today, because I feel like so many of us are sort of, even before we're out of the gate, we are already facing challenges because we don't have an aligned vision with our principal. So then we start trying to work with teachers and we're told, no, that's not what you're supposed to do, or no, that's not um, what the role of the coach is, or no, you shouldn't be doing this, or there's really no follow through from the principal on things that they, you thought that were important to them. And it turns out maybe they're not as important to them as, as you thought. And that makes it really hard in order to do your job. We really have to have that defined clearly. So today I'm chatting with Angela, all about these ideas about questions that a coach should ask a principal to make sure that they understand the vision about tips for communicating effectively with principals, because sometimes that is what's holding us back. We think we're communicating well, but we're not. And so many important things about how to build that principal coach relationship to provide a foundation for excellent coaching. So I just want to welcome Angela Kelly to the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here with us, Angela. Thank you so much, Miss B. I am just honored to be here today with you. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> yes, I'm really glad you're able to join us. I think this is an important idea that coaches really need to wrap their heads around in order to create a good, solid foundation for instructional coaching on their campus. Absolutely. That principal relationship with uh, instructional coach and principal, it's a really special relationship and it really can be highly effective and efficient. And I would like to offer like that it can be mutual, mutually satisfying for both coach and principal. Yeah, I could see that totally. Um, both people are able to do their jobs really well <laughs> if it works out. Yeah. <laughs> and grow exactly. their schools. So yeah. can you introduce yourself to our listeners today and just talk a little bit about who you are, you know, how you ended up doing this work, what kind of work you focus on, that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. So I'll give you the really short version. I'm obviously a former educator. I was primarily an elementary school teacher teaching kindergarten, first grade, uh, I was a reading specialist, instructional coach, and uh, probably against my better judgment, <laughs> got into school leadership, but um, found it like horribly shocking and like strangely satisfying at the same time. But through my work as a school coach, I then went up to the district office and I spent one year as the RTI coordinator for the district. And that's where I really started seeing from a broader perspective how school leadership it, it's particularly at the site level, um, there's not a lot of support, specific, like intentional directed support for that site leader. And so I spent my year really coaching principals. And with my background in life coaching, I decided to create my own business where I now am a certified life coach for school leaders. And what I basically do is just help new school leaders navigate the mental and emotional demands of the job. So you know, educators are under a lot of pressure and under a lot of stress. And I think that school leadership position, that site leadership position is uh, one of the most challenging positions in the district because you're kind of getting it from all angles. And I wanted to be able to offer a program that helps them build up their capacity to lead, build relationships and have a life outside of school. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's really important work. Um, because so many, and we mentioned, we talked about this a while ago when we had our yes. conversation that so many 
principals are like coaches, they're tossed into the role without a lot of preparation. Um, And so they're just kind of like, okay, well, I've seen it done, but (laughs) I haven't done it myself. And so they're trying to figure things out on the fly, building the plane as they're flying it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like the instructional coach and the principal actually go through a similar experience where, Mm -hmm. you know, you're a teacher leader, typically when you get hired into that position. And so people are like, well, she's great or he's great. And then they put you in and they're like, okay, fly with it. You should know what to do. And you're left kind of in this really weird space of being a peer and being a support to your peers, but also not. And that's where we get into that sticky you know, gray area. Yes, absolutely. Um, so can you help us kind of envision what a, the nature of the principal coach relationship really looks like? What does that relationship look like? Yeah, I think let's, let's start with the ideal relationship. I mean, that's yes. how I, that's the goal, right? <laughs> yeah. So the target, um, in an ideal situation, I, as I said before, I think it, it can be highly effective and it can be, um, a really comfortable, happy situation for both people. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think of that relationship as an instructional visionary team where you and the, the coach and the principal are working together to do this kind of like melding of both building the vision, but also implementing the vision. So the principal's kind of driving in terms of building that vision and creating mm-hmm. it and decide, making those decisions around it with that instructional coach on board. And then the coach understanding and having that close connection with the principal then goes out and does more of the implementation kind of boots on the ground work with that. Mm -hmm. But that has like in an ideal situation, coaches on board, principals on board, they understand one another. And I think the key to that successful relationship is that each person knows their individual role and Mm -hmm. stays in their lane, right? So principal understands what his or her job is, coach understands his or her job, and it's working together. But for it to be as effective as possible, people have to know what they're doing and what they're not doing. And then really the the hard work is staying in your own lane. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I have felt that myself as an instructional coach. Um, And I think that sometimes we get started off thinking we know what the role is, thinking we know, like that we've communicated about about these things. And then we find later that we haven't. So do you have tips for communicating effectively with principals? Because sometimes it feels like you're, we're just speaking two different languages yeah. and we're, we think we're being explicit about things, but then we're totally on different <laughs> oh, right. pages. Right. So y- let me break down, like, I'm going to break down again, the idea, kind of the ideal, mm-hmm. like, like layout for that. And then talk about specifically how to c- communicate um, with one another. So I think for the school leader, what it really comes down to is knowing your leadership values, what you value as a leader and the vision that you have. I think the values have to drive the vision versus like the vision driving the values. So each leader has their own set of beliefs about what they think is best and what they think is the priority. And those are their values. And that's whatever that is, is, is fine. And then with that, with that set of values, you create a vision with that. Right. And then once you're doing that, you have to get very specific and define an approach to school leadership and instructional leadership, right? Mm -hmm. What does that look like in terms of what you value? So for example, if you're a school leader who, whoops, who really values um, uh, relationships, right? And you, your vision is to have a school culture that's highly connected where you know kids, they know you, you're in classrooms. If that's your value and your vision, you need to communicate that with your coach. That coach mm-hmm. needs to know like, like our role together is to, to be out there in the world. We're not in our offices. We're in those classrooms and we're out on the playground and we're in, in the lunchroom and all of those things. So articulating that top priority mm-hmm. to the coach and teachers, there needs to be that like, here's exactly like real transparency here. This is what I believe in and this is why, and this is what I want to create for the school. Now, like allowing that coach to also have his or her own set of values and visions and coaching styles and preferences. I think sometimes, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of calling out school leaders in this, but I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn it both ways, but on the, on the principal end, 
it's, we sometimes get into our mindset of we're in the, we're in the position of authority. Like it's our, our way or the highway kind of like, we want the coach to meld into what we want. Mm -hmm. But I think the most effective leadership really comes from when you can be open to hearing how the coach best functions and how the the ideas the coach has and the values that that coach is being driven by. So that is where we want to open ourselves up to hearing um, what coaches and teachers are thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And then, as I said, staying in the lane, I think for principals, this gets hard because principals get into the position thinking that they are the instructional leader, that they should be the ones in the classroom, coaching and mentoring teachers. Like they they want to do that. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the job is that (laughs) it's too big. You can't do it all. Mm-hmm. And that coach is designed to support you. So you can build that vision, but then you have to allow to delegate and let that coach do her work in the classroom and not kind of veering into undermining that coach in any way. Cause what happens, right. Is that the coach somehow slips into either one of two things happen. Either the principal goes into the lane of the coach and starts like coaching teachers or they pull the, the coach in as kind of a quasi administrator. Yeah. And then the coach gets her integrity gets questioned because teachers start to be like, wait a minute, are you an admin? Are you a, are you a peer? Mm -hmm. And that's where it can get, I'm sure you've talked about this probably to ad nauseum, but it's just something to acknowledge where it's really easy to slip into one of those lanes where Mm -hmm. you're either micromanaging your coach or you're pulling them into positions that are really um, outside of the intended scope of the job. Mm -hmm. So for coaches, I mean, really the same values apply. You have to know yourself. You have to be willing to articulate that and your ideas with your principal and ask your principal to share their leadership style along and just have a conversation about where, you know, where are we going together? And I I want to hear you and I want to work with you. And I want to share with you how I work best from the get-go so that there's an understanding from the beginning. And then the coach's job is also kind of to stay in their lane, right? Like I think when I know when I was a coach, I'll just be specific to myself. It's very easy to, because you're so close to the admin, it's very easy to get pulled in and kind of want to know and kind of want to be in that admin loop. It's really tempting to want to know a little bit more information or maybe talk about teachers in a way that might be more administrative than uh, just peer peer coaching. Mm -hmm. So um, being able to catch yourself when you get caught up in, in some of those conversations or just that, that allure to um, that admin role. It's like, we have to remind ourselves like what we're, what we're doing, what we're here for and who we are here for, um, to, to not get caught up in that loop. So I think those are things to keep in mind to set up shop, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But then you mentioned like communicating effectively. Um, (laughs) The reality is that it's not always the ideal situation. Like we're working with human beings. We have principals who may not be as open-minded or open-ended in terms of sharing where they're at or wanting to be a little more micromanaging. So for coaches, it, it can feel like you don't have a say or you don't have, you're afraid to say, or you don't have the power or you're, you're questioning like what, like you're kind of getting lost in where you're at. Mm -hmm. And so what I would offer to coaches when you're in a situation where it's not this super uh, collaborative environment, or you're feeling like uh, there's resistance in some way, I would recommend stepping back and getting clear with yourself, right? What can you control? What is what do you value and why are you in this position and what's your goal in taking on that coaching role? What are you aiming to achieve? Kind of coming back to yourself and grounding yourself in what it is that you do have control over and getting to know yourself as an, as a teacher leader, as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a good point. You know, we bring so much to the table and we have to be really deliberate about those values and, and what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And then we have to think about, you mentioned earlier about what does that actually look like? So we have to take these values and then we have to turn them into like actions to make sure that we are, are staying in, 
and staying in our lane and staying in, you know, in keeping with what we believe is important about the job we're trying to do. Um, because it can be really easy to say that we have these values and then we don't actually act on them because maybe we're being pulled in a lot of directions or whatever it is. But if we have that like written out even, um, that's one way probably to support a better communication with your principal for one, if it's actually written and you can share what you've written instead of just kind of speaking off the cuff. Right. Um, and it's also really helpful to keep you in line with what you believe is important about coaching. Yeah. I think it grounds you when you know, like, this is who I am as a coach. This is what I believe in in education. This is what I want to contribute and the value I want to provide to my school and my, and my teams. And even when you have a principal that isn't maybe working with you, mm-hmm. you get to decide how to show up and you get to decide what energy you show up in regardless of that principle. So even if you've got a really crabby principal who mm-hmm. just doesn't want anything that isn't supportive at all, that doesn't mean that you have to feel inf- ineffective right? or that, uh, that you have to feel lost. Like you can create that for yourself. And I believe that when you do that, people notice like your energy, like people see that energy and they feel that energy and they see your commitment. And it, how do I say this? Like, it won't matter as much that the principal's not supporting you because you will be doing what you believe in and teachers will feel that. And you'll just be out doing your thing. And ultimately like full circle, what happens is you get results and the principal will notice that. And then be like, Hey, like that, this is awesome. What are you up to? And then get, we'll get more interested in your work because you just decided to show up anyway, even without his or her support. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that does happen a lot. I've heard, I've actually spoken to a lot of coaches this past year who were frustrated that their administrators were just not, um, they didn't seem to have a vision for what a coach could be. And then they would tell them things like, well, we don't want to overwhelm anybody. So just kind of, you know, just, just work with whoever comes to you. And, um, and, you know, I mean, you can do the PDs and stuff like that, but, and so coaches are sitting on their hands going, what do I do here? Um, so you do have to figure out, all right, well, what can I do? What is my sphere of influence that I can say, this is an action I can take within the limitations that I have. Right. Uh, and because if not, you are, it is incredibly frustrating to feel like, you know, like you're just lying there, like, <laughs> like a yeah. discarded tool, you know, <laughs> I, I definitely witnessed that in my district when we rolled out instructional coaches, probably, mm. I don't know, at least 10 years ago. Um, and in the beginning, nobody really understood what it was. And so like, that's why I think it's so essential to get clear with yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. what do I think a coach is? Like, if I were a teacher, what kind of coaching or support would I want from a coach? And what, what, what is that all? Like, how does it help me? Because really what happens is people see this position, they don't understand it. And a confused mind will always say no. Like, I don't really know who you are, what you do. So no, like resist, resist. Right. And when people don't clearly identify the, the, what that position even is, it's really hard for coaches to get any traction. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you can get grounded in who you are and you can start to really like articulate the value of the coaching and what it is and why it's helpful and that you're not here to criticize or judge, you're here to support and, you can almost like, once you've sold yourself on the value of coaching, then you can kind of sell the teachers on it in a way that's really authentic and genuine. And actually you could even sell your, your principles. So one thing I want to say to coaches is that as you're approaching your principal, a couple of things to keep in mind is number one, they're human beings, just like us. Mm -hmm. Principals are super overwhelmed. They are, they, the reason they don't know what to do with a coach is because they haven't carved out time to think about what they should do with their right. coach because they're, because they're busy and overwhelmed. So it's not that they are intentionally blowing you off or blowing off your position or feeling like you're not of value. They just haven't created the time and space to really think about the value of what you can provide and how significant your impact can be. So if you can just do that work, for yourself and for them ahead of time. And then you can say, Hey, here are 10 things I can do. Here's Mm -hmm. how it benefits you as a leader. Yeah. You want to sell them on what it like, why coaching 
it's not just for the teachers. It's for, it's for the principal. Mm -hmm. I think that second part that you're sharing about, this is how it benefits you. This is how it benefits your goals. That is so important um, for communicating with administrators because they are, they tend to be very, um, very goal oriented and very like, I don't want to say tunnel vision, but sometimes they have tunnel vision. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, actually they are tunnel vision. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it makes it, 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 if you can align what you have to offer with what they want to do, then suddenly you have value. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So principals are tunnel vision because they, it like the pressure gets pushed down from state, the feds, the state, the district, and then it goes on to the plate of the site leader. And then the site leader, what is, you know, pushes it down to coaches, right? So if you're a coach who isn't spending time either with your principal or you're Mm -hmm. not able to spend time in the classrooms because you have to like your principal said, have this really p- passive approach and let them come to you. Mm-hmm. If you've got, if you're kind of wondering, what do I do with my time? I would say, spend all your time thinking about why a coach is valuable, how it's important, like really build up the belief in yourself mm-hmm. and, and the value, like a hundred ways why coaching is, it expedites student learning. It expedites teacher learning. It supports the community, the school culture, um, the values. It it supports collaboration, PLC, like anything that your brain can think of that, that makes coaching valuable. The more you Mm -hmm. spend your time doing that, you will be so sold. You're just going to go out and do it. And here's what's cool. You will always have, I I believe like you will always have teachers who are kind of like first adopters. So -hmm. there will always be people who are like calling up the coach, like, ASAP, as much as, as much time as you can give me, please come help me mm-hmm. when you give the value to them. And then they spread the word you're going to become in higher demand. Mm-hmm. So the more value you create in the organization, like the faster you become highly valuable and highly yes. sought after as a coach. Yes. I totally agree with that. So if a coach goes into a school year with a new principal and you know, what, what are some of the things that they should make sure are mutually understood? And you've, you've talked a little bit about this, about, you know, defining your roles and defining, you know, what, what priorities the mm-hmm. principal has and the coaches ha- coach has, but um, what are some things that they should make sure that are crystal clear between the two of them? Okay. So I was thinking about this question because there's two scenarios here, right? They're a coach who's experienced come with Mm -hmm. a, with a new coach coming in. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're that coach who's experienced and you've got a brand new principal coming in, or even a principal who's experienced, but new to the, new to the school, Mm -hmm. um, that new principal is going to feel a little more hands-off, like a little more nervous and overwhelmed. Right. So I think that experienced coach can come in and be like, Hey, I've got you, I've got your back. How can I help? And here's, you know, let me give you the background of this school. What's what we're working on. And then really focusing on what's working well in this school. Cause you want to set that principal up for success. And you want to set, you want to tell that principal, like I'm focusing on the good here. I'm focusing on what is working. You know, here's what we're working on. Here's what we've succeeded already. And here maybe are some next steps. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let you think about that and I'll get back to you and give them some time to process it and then just keep checking in, right? Now, the if the if the coach is brand new and the principal's brand new, like sometimes that happens where a, a team right. is just yeah. <laughs> I think that is where the new coach and the new principal are, you know, you're kind of like blind leading the blind. You're not really sh- like everybody's figuring life out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the, the coach wants to say, like, hey, can we just schedule regular meetings? I think that's one of the things I, you know, I I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. I really think it's important with, I know with my team, we, from the beginning, we set up an initial meeting to kind of discuss values and vision. Then we had regular meetings and then we focused, we had an agenda, like there was a structure to it. So I was, the principal just knew ahead of time. There wasn't any like pushback about, oh, they want to meet with me again. Right. It was just this. I, I had them weekly. So you could have them monthly. You could have them. It doesn't matter the duration or the, how often, but schedule the meetings at the beginning of the year from beginning to end. So the principal just knows that every two weeks or every month, whatever, we're having this meeting mm-hmm. and they don't have to say they don't have time. It's already just right. decided. And then focus on wins 
because the principal wants to hear what something that's going well, because all the principal hears about is what's not going well. Right? So <laughs> if you can, <laughs> if you can be the coach that comes in and says three wins for the week mm -hmm. and one, we're working on this one thing. Another thing that principals, like, I think a great way to approach a principal is it's not, you don't have to hide the problems. I'm not saying only focus on the positive. They want to hear the truth, but they want to hear that the coach is already brainstorming, right? Right. Yes. Like coming with a solution because most people go to the principal by default, just like I have a problem, please solve it for me. Yes. I have heard that from principals in the past. Um, I remember uh, I used to work as a, as, a, as a teacher whenever I was a fourth grade teacher and I would go to my administrator and I would say, well, this is what's happening. And this is what I would like to do. Can I do that? And he would always say, yes, he'd always yeah. go do what you need to do every time. And I remember having a conversation with someone from a different grade level. And they were like, you know, I told him all the, about all these issues that we're having. And he didn't like, he hasn't fixed any of them. He hasn't done anything about any of them. And I said, well, I don't, I think you probably want you to do that. <laughs> like you should go with an idea of what you could, yes. what you could do at least. And he can yeah. either tell you yes or no, or adjust it. Yeah. Um, and later he did share with the faculty. He said, don't just come to me with problems. I, I, there are lots of problems. I get that. Come to me with an idea and we can figure out what you should do about it. But if you just come and you share your problems and then sit and want me to fix them, I cannot fix all of the problems. Right. <laughs> well, and the person with the problem knows the potential solutions way better than somebody sitting on the outside. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of principals, you know, they want to fix your problems. And sometimes yeah. I think as principals, we actually overstep and we try to fix too, we try to make it too comfortable, too easy. Mm -hmm. We try to try to fix problems, but to be honest, like the person who's having the problem, they, they actually have an idea, like, wait a minute, there has to be a better way for this, but we've got to give ourselves some energy and time to think about what those potentials might be. And like you said, the best, the best teachers are like, Hey, here's what's going on. Wanted to let you know, here's some ideas about it. Not sure which one's going to work the best, but here's what I'm thinking. Can I try it? 90% of the time, the principal is going to be like, amen, go for yeah, it. Right? Yep. Yeah. And, and if, and if not, like, it's great to run it by your principal because they might have some insight that the teacher mm -hmm. doesn't which is perfect, which that's the collaboration piece. Like, oh, wait a minute, right. think about this and adjust that and let's go with it. But it's so much fast. Your, your problem gets solved faster when you come with it, with a, at least a list of ideas for solutions. Yes. At least one idea. Yeah. Just <laughs> at least like, one. <laughs> yeah. And, and if, even if you're stuck and you're like, I have uh -huh. no idea, then you can go to your you know principal and say like, I've been really thinking on this and I'm really stuck. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, what, what I would say as a principal is like, if you thought you knew, like if you could just pull the answer out of the air, what would come up? Cause there is an yeah. answer within you. Sometimes you gotta like, just like as a coach, you know, you gotta wiggle it out of a teacher. Mm -hmm. That idea is up there somewhere. Sometimes we just have to tap into it right? Like by, by having another person help us out. Yes. And sometimes you can say, well, I thought about this, but I don't think that's going to work because of this. And then from there, you can have that dialogue. Right. It's just, you know, just, it's just putting it out into the world. Um, and you can, can kind of workshop it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, whenever you go and you, you drop problems in their lap and then you're like, so, you know, I mean, I guess I'll do whatever you want me to do. <laughs> they don't usually respond to that too well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So what are, I would like to know about some really good questions that coaches can ask their principals to ensure that they really understand the direction their school is moving and their place in that movement. Um, so do you have like three questions that coaches should ask to get clarity around that? Yes. So question one would be ask, just directly ask if there's one legacy that you could leave behind as a school leader, what would that be and why? Because you want to get into your principal's brain what is it they're trying to accomplish and why are they trying to accomplish it? Mm -hmm. Most principals will probably be floored by that and they won't even know the answer to that, but it will make them think about it mm -hmm. because what you say to them is, look, I want to understand if there's one legacy you can leave behind as a school leader, what is it and why? Because I want to help support that goal. I want you to have your best case scenario, your best case, your best experience as a leader and I believe my role is to help you have that best experience and to leave that legacy, you know, and, and 
kind of tap the ball into their court and let them ruminate on that a bit. I think um, that helps them clarify. And especially if you're already clear in what you want, mm -hmm. it's, it's extra juicy because like, <laughs> it makes them really have to stop and think. And yeah. I, I think that's important for leaders. I think we think we're too busy to think about this stuff, but that's why we're too busy because we're not constraining our actions. We're just trying to whack-a-mole. We're trying to be good at yeah. everything yeah. versus deciding, I want to be good at this one thing as a leader and as mm -hmm. a coach. Second question would be, um, how do you see my role in supporting this goal, right? That's not rocket science, but what do you envision my, I, I think there's two things like kind of big picture, like what's your big picture of how I fit into all of this? But how do you envision my work on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm -hmm. What are the tasks, the actual tasks right. you see me doing that you think will accomplish this result? Mm -hmm. And then third, and I love this question so much. I thought a lot about these because there's, it's such a powerful question that you asked me. Um, what emotions and what energy are you aiming for on campus? Like, mm -hmm. how do you want classrooms to feel? What is an ideal school culture in your mind? Because you want to understand the culture that this, the principal is aiming to create. And I believe that a culture, a school culture is just a set of belief systems, right? What do we collectively believe as a staff and how do we collectively feel as a staff? And what is that principal aiming? What's the one emotion that that principal wants the vibe of the campus to feel? And then that you can tap into like, okay, let's say a principal wants to feel like people feel seen and heard connected, right? Then you know that your work is going to always be revolving around how do I ensure that everybody feels seen, heard, and, and connected? That is a really good question. Uh, and I would like to be able to go back and ask some administrators that I was a little unsure on that, <laughs> you know, there's well, probably because it, it shows changes up. for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Um, I, there are some that it was clear in their work, what they wanted people to feel because they were putting that out there all the time. Right. And then there were some that not as much, you know, there's not as much clarity around that. Um, and so the feeling that people had was confused. <laughs> that was what they felt. Bingo. <laughs> so because the um, principal was confused, that's yes. kind of the vibe that ended up happening. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you see it and, and that creates frustration and that creates, you know, a lot of doubt oh, and it's yep. just not a good place to be as a school, to be unsure of where you're headed and what the expectations are. And clarity is so important. So that's, a, I love that, that third question. That's a really interesting one. Yeah, I, I love that one too. And I think that if if you could ask the principal, like if there was one emotion we could create on this campus on a regular basis, what would it be? It Hopefully it's going to revolve around something around certainty, right? Like a centeredness, certainty, groundedness, calm, um, cohesiveness. Like, I, I mean, you could, you could pick any word, but that, that helps you as the coach decide like how you're going to approach specific situations with different teachers. If the, if the goal is how do I help this teacher feel mm -hmm. certain, how do mm -hmm. I help them feel grounded and calm and like make them kind of like take down that, right. That stress and that energy. Yeah. Um, that's you just, you can start with that and then decide how you're going to approach somebody when you know that that's the end result you're trying to create. Yeah. I really like that. That would help you in your, your questioning and your, and just in your responsiveness. And that's really interesting. So what are some ways that coaches can educate their principals? And you mentioned this a little bit that principals might be unclear on what coaches do because they haven't taken the time or had the time to really think about it. <laughs> um, so how can coaches actually educate their principals about their role if they see that there is, there are misunderstandings or lack of vision or something along those lines? Yeah, I think number one, it's important for all of us to remember that every single one of us as humans, we kind of get off track, right? We kind of lose sight of our vision. We forget the goal is to be, to stay centered and grounded. We, you know, we all get off track. And so just having compassion for when you see that happening with a teacher or with a, with a school leader. And I think the best way to, to is, you know, um, number one, just trying to get everybody back on track. Like what's the real goal here? Like reconnect to the, the emotion you're trying to create. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I think would be most effective is to help the principal, like have the coach highlight the unanticipated negative consequences mm 
of that misunderstanding. So when there is a misalignment or a misunderstanding, like if the principal's asking a coach to do something outside of his or her role, showing the principal how if the coach takes that action, how it might negatively impact the bigger picture and derail them from the goal mm -hmm. and why it's not a good idea. That's kind of a way to keep back on track is just like, you know, if I, if I'm handling student behaviors all day, right. Right. Which, you know, it's, you can get sucked into that, like mm -hmm. helping out in the office or, you know, I think student behavior can be like that gray area where it's like, well, it's kind of helping teachers, but it's really like a deflection of the real work that you need to do as a coach. Mm -hmm. um, reminding them, like, if I do this, then these things don't get done. Mm -hmm. And is we just want to make a clear, intentional decision. Is this really where you want me spending my time? Right. I totally agree. I remember telling a, a, an administrator once, I could run the GT program. <laughs> Yeah, technically. Yes. Um, the thing is, if I'm doing that, I'm not sure that's going to pull me from classrooms. And so I feel like, yeah. you know, that we've been talked about how it's important for me to spend time in classrooms. And I'm concerned that that's not going to allow me to do that. Mm -hmm. And, and then they did not have me do the GT program, which was great because <laughs> yep. it was, that was honest. I was really, that was going to take a lot of my time. And, yeah. um, and it was not really in alignment with any of the goals from my work at that time, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And that's where you have to be courageous as a, as a coach. Mm -hmm. And, and like when, when you are asked to do something, sometimes you're asked to do something right there in the minute and you just, you just do it because right. That, you know, you're in it. But when you're asked to do like you, that that's a perfect example of like, they ask you to take on this big program or they want you to take on a, I don't know, a committee or something. Right give yourself some time to think through like how you're thinking and feeling about that and really understand like, does this feel aligned to me and why not? And you'll, you'll get to it pretty quickly, but then again, you have to circle back around to why is this misaligned for the principal's goal and bring it back to like, when, if I, I can, I can do this. And if you ask me to do it, I will, because ultimately they're, they are right. your boss, but in the end, like you just want to help them see like making that decision has an impact on X, Y, Z. Yes. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, some coaches really struggle in that area in, in just even in dealing with their administrator on any level. <laughs> so what are some of the challenges that you've seen that really impact building strong relationships that serve the school? Like where, where, why is this so difficult sometimes? Yeah, that's such a good question. I coach principals on this all the time. So it's fun to like be on the other yeah. side here. So I think relationships are really interesting because we're taught to believe that relationships takes two people for them to work. I think, you know, we, we kind of been trained as children to believe that. And then as adults, right. And what I've learned through coaching is that the way that we think and feel about somebody and the way we decide to engage with them comes from the way we are thinking about them. So when we're mm -hmm. struggling with somebody, it's based on what our brain, the thoughts our brain's having about them. It's, it's actually separate. Like there's the person and right. then there are our thoughts about that person and our feelings about that person. So when we're thinking like, they're difficult, they don't listen, they don't support me, they don't understand. Like our brain creates this story. And so that every time we interact with our principal, what the brain's doing is it's like focusing, it's looking for that confirmation, yeah. right? That the principal's not kind or not supportive. And it, you know, it's called confirmation bias. It's like subconsciously our brain's looking for evidence to prove our belief system true. And I like to think of it this way, like, the, the opposite of it is when, like, when we, when we're newly in love, right. When we were dating somebody brand new and we're so in love. And the, and the reason we feel that way is because we, we filter out all of the bad things, right. We just right. are looking at the good, but the flip can happen when we're focusing on the things that annoy us or bother yes. us. Yes. So just to be, just to be cognizant of that, that that is happening. And then to notice, like we we can be in a relationship with somebody that isn't our ideal boss or principal or colleague or whatever, but we do have control over 
what we're thinking and feeling. So I think of it like a Venn diagram. There's their thoughts and feelings, our thoughts and feelings, and then it kind of overlaps like our thoughts about their, about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's our job, right? Like the work we have control over is to focus on what we're thinking and feeling and then re- redirect our brain and kind of train it to be like, okay, we know what we don't like about this person. We've made that very clear, but let's spend if we're going to spend 50% looking at what we don't like, let's train our brain to spend 50% looking at what we do. And mm-hmm. what is that principal good at? What is her strength? What is his ability? What is his superpower? What do I like? Like what's kind of, you know, like charming about this person, like try to find the, a hook and let your brain practice looking for that one positive quality and how it shows up in the different ways that they engage in their campus Um, because there's no perfect principle, there's no perfect person, there's no perfect human. And so, but we can train ourselves to like, okay, I am going to focus on what I do like and see how I can hook into that, which in the end helps us just feel better about every time we have to engage with our boss, every time we have to meet with them and we get to go back out into the campus and be us and love what we do. And then when we have those moments, we're like, we're going to tell ourselves to focus on the one thing we appreciate about this other human. Yeah, I like that. And that's really just good advice for life <laughs> yep. uh, in general, because there are people that we live, you know, work with or have to interact with frequently that, you know, they just, they just get you every time. And after a certain point you do, it is hard to ignore what you're seeing is repetitive behaviors, right? And they may be repetitive behaviors, but they're also the only behaviors that I'm interested in after a certain point. And like, this is driving me crazy. Yes. Um, so I, I have been in that exact position and I can think of individuals that once this, it's like, once the switch is flipped, yep. I have a hard time not go, like really going hard. back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, so just, if, if I could, like, I'd like to share some thoughts to tell yourself when you're yes. in that position, because it, it will always happen. Be- mm-hmm. that, that is just a part of being a human on the planet is there are going to be people we like and get along with super easily. And then people we don't, and that, that challenge us that will never go away. So some things that I tell myself to help me neutralize them, mm-hmm. um, like this is like, this will always be my work. It kind of grounds me in like, Oh, like this person's in my life as my curriculum. This person's helping me see what I'm not seeing within myself and Every time they do that behavior, I want to return it back to reflect on myself and how I can learn to be accepting and compassionate. And I say to myself, I knew I try to neutralize the person in terms of like, they're a human on the planet doing the best that they can. Um, They're, you know, if you're thinking about your boss, it's like this person's trying to lead a school through a pandemic and Mm -hmm. it helps us, or this person's trying to teach during a pandemic, or this person's trying to coach during a pandemic. Um, It gives us so much perspective and grace. And it helps us just like, we just break down all of the story down to it's what I call like this, the core, the facts Mm -hmm. of who that person is like fifth grade teacher. She's been teaching 10 years. She loves to teach language arts. She, um, you know, like, and you, you list the facts about her without creating opinion and taking up mm-hmm. the opinion piece. So, um, it isn't easy cause we're wired to like focus in on what we don't like, but, um, we can train ourselves to like, at least get to neutral, if not a place of love and compassion. Right. Sometimes something that I've done that has helped me is I envision this is maybe this is weird. I don't even know if it's a good idea, but I do it. It it sometimes works. Um, I envision a backstory. (laughs) So strange that helps me understand why they are the way they are. I do that all the time. (laughs) You know why? Because it's like, oh, if they're doing that, that must be because of that. Right. Who who cares if it's true? (laughs) Exactly. Maybe maybe it's not. Yeah. If it helps you feel better and if it helps you engage with them in a more positive light, mm-hmm. who cares if the story is true, but it's a better story than the story we were saying before. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. It gives, it's people- actually a really clever technique. <laughs> <laughs> it, it helps. It really can help. I've used it with teachers before. And, um, sometimes you do learn more about the backstory and you're kind of like, okay, that does make sense <laughs> why, yeah. why you're interacting the way that you are. So it, it, does help, help. it works with kids and parents too, right? Like a kid's mm-hmm. being, you know, you know, 
crazy in your classroom and you're like some, there is a backstory here, right? Mm -hmm. And And then you meet the parents and then you're like, ah, and then they usually have a backstory. So if you think about it in terms of students and parents and families, Mm -hmm. that person has family life and, you know, a history as well. So there probably is a backstory. So it's probably not too far off to just right. Like wonder what's going on in the background here. Right. Yes. You're kind of giving the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I love that. That's, I'm going to use that with my friends. <laughs> oh yeah. Go for it. <laughs> so one of the ideas that we've talked about on this podcast is a culture of coaching. And I was wondering if you could share what that looks like for you. Yeah. I think that, um, culture is a state of mind. It's a belief system that we we choose to believe in. And then when we deeply believe in whatever that is, like my, that mindset, then we act on that. We like our thoughts and our beliefs generate our emotional state. And then that emotional state is what drives every decision we make and action we take. So we need to decide what we want to believe. So creating culture I mean, like if you want schools to adopt this culture of coaching Mm -hmm. school leaders and the the school at large must adopt a belief in coaching. So back to creating the evidence, like why coaching matters, why it's a solution. Well, I, I like to say like coaching is essential. It's an essential solution to teaching and learning and to, and to school leadership. But the more evidence we can create that coaching is the solution, mm-hmm. uh, will strengthen our belief as a coach, our belief as a leader. And then we have to look into not just that first layer of how coaching helps, but the ripple effect, mm-hmm. the deeper why, like I think about like, okay, why is coaching essential? Well, initially, like it helps our teachers, right. And it helps the grade levels. And then it, you think about, well, then it's helping students. Well, then it's helping families. How is it helping the district? How is it helping the community at large? And then how does it, how does choosing to believe that coaching is essential help that leader? Not just in this one school, but how does it help them evolve as a, as a school leader? And how does it help you evolve as a coach? Like we really need to sell ourselves on that idea that coaching is the solution and I think that, that thought right there, that sentence, coaching is the solution, finding all the ways that that's true is what creates a culture of belief. But that comes in from, you have to believe that it's true in order for us to like adopt it. We can't just tell people to think it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to kind of sell it on them. And the way that we sell coaching is essential is by showing them how it creates results and how it makes teaching easier for them, student easier for students to learn, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I also think like, be a product of your product, like be willing to be coached, mm-hmm. be open to sharing your coaching experiences, allow teachers to coach the coach or, or something like come up with some creative solutions where there's this, everybody's embracing coaching. It's not just like, I, as the principal tell you, to, you need coaching. Right. Yeah. It's not a one-way street. It has to be everybody's sold on coaching as the solution. Yes. I like that. So how can administrators contribute to that culture? (laughs) Be the product of your product. Like if you believe in coaching, Mm -hmm. then you need to get coached. You need to set up systems where everybody is getting coaching feedback and is, is able to offer coaching. Cause it's not just the principal and the coach who have coaching feedback to offer. Like really creating this, um, you know, like fun structures where everybody's getting coached, the coach is getting coached and the, the teachers are allowed to give the principal feedback in a coaching Mm -hmm. setting. Right. Um, I just think the more, and this is where vulnerability comes into play. Like the most, one of the most uncomfortable emotions we feel is vulnerability Mm -hmm. and coaching sometimes brings that up for people there's a a real vulnerability for someone to watch your work and to share with you what's, what worked well and what we need to focus, you know, what we're still learning. Um, So the more open we can be to vulnerability as a leader and as a coach, then I think it just becomes the way that you operate 
mm-hmm. as a school and at large. Which is the culture, like that's the, which yep. and, then, yeah. and then you're in it. But mm-hmm. I promise you, I promise you that it will not ever be the priority and the mindset and the culture if it doesn't go both ways. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, so I think I have an idea of what you might say to this, but how can coaches encourage administrators to prioritize this work? I'm thinking it's very similar to some of the things that you've shared about prioritizing coaching in the first place. Yeah, for sure. I think like focus on overarching goals versus individual goals whenever possible. So there's Mm -hmm. not like so much individual, like individualized stress and pressure, like, and focus on what is working, what's going well. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, the more principals see that your coaching efforts are working and they're hearing like, this is amazing things we did. This is the results we're creating. Here's what's going well. Principals are going to be more bought into your value and Mm -hmm. you're showing how those day-to-day actions are hitting the overarching goals and are, are, are on that track towards those bigger goals. And as the coach, like keeping those conversations, I, I really think it's important for teaching the keeping the conversations confidential, because Mm -hmm. when you do that for teachers, that just solidifies their respect and trust in you, but it also solidifies your respect and trust in the principal. Because if I know you're not telling me individual private conversations about them, Mm -hmm. then I know you're not telling them individual private conversations that we're having as coach and principal. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that, that integrity of knowing what to share and when to share it and how much to share. And just, and that's a skill and an art that you learn, I'm sure over time as a coach, but um, really knowing like the, the principal will be more open to sharing with you when they know that mm-hmm. they have a safe space to, to be honest with you and that teachers have a safe space with you. And then I would further say like coaches, you really need to have somebody where you have a safe space to share how you are feeling and process your own emotions. Cause you know, it, your job is not easy and you need a place and a person to be able to go to and just not have to be the coach, not have to be the one that holds all that space and that energy for other people. You really do need a place where you get to be the person who's loved on and supported and listened to. Yeah, I agree with that. That's something that um, my partner, Nicole Turner uh, of Coffee and Coaching, the membership for coaches, we talk about that a lot because if you don't have anybody to talk to, you you just lose it. You just cannot do the work (laughs) Um, and you can't talk to the teachers and you can't talk to your boss, um, not completely openly. And so you've got to really talk to somebody who doesn't really know your faculty or you could talk, you know, to coach at another school, unless you have um, a partner coach at your school, which is great. Uh, but not everybody has that. And sometimes even if you do, you don't really feel like you have a partner because it doesn't always work out that way. So you've got to find somebody. I'm sorry. That it sounds like that's why you and Nicole created this community. That was a big part of it. Um, The isolation that you feel as a coach, because you're stuck in the middle that you have, you you know, you've got your teachers on one side and your admin on the other. And sometimes you're the only, (laughs) the, the only one right there in the middle. And it's really isolating. And just the nature of working as a coach is isolating in the first place, because when you move from being a teacher, you have a whole class full of kids, you have a grade level full of other people, and then you move to, to coaching and you don't have any of that. And it is like a, a shock to your system. And it takes a long time to get used to that. And then you kind of have to build your people, but it's, it's tough. It's a tough road for a while there. And then that same, that same transition happens when you go from being a teacher or a coach into the principalship, because I know for me, I didn't have an AP. I, there was no other administrator on campus. It was just me. And I had to be really mindful of not like dumping my own (laughs) mind drama onto my coach or my secretary or my office staff. So I had to, you know, find people, peers mm-hmm. who I could talk to. And um, it, it's when you're on that campus, especially when you're new and you just, you're just trying to figure out the ropes yourself, the coaching position, very isolating, which is often why the coach and the principal sometimes right. do get too entangled right. because they're both isolated looking for support. And there's, there isn't, they don't know of, of the options that are available which is why I created my business to be that person for, for coach, for principals. But mm-hmm. like, that's why sometimes that relationship gets a little bit entangled is because yes. they're both, they're both so isolating. So absolutely being mindful of that is really important. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. 
So if coaches only walk away with one idea from this episode, what do you think that it should be? Oh, one idea is so hard, but I would say like, if we want to go really metacognitive here, uh, your relationship with your boss is more about your mindset than you think it's, it's your thoughts and feelings. It's the, your belief systems. It's really your relationship with your boss, your, your print, everything, like everybody you have, uh, that you work with, it's really comes from an internal space. Mm-hmm. So the first step in any relationship is looking at what you think about that person. And, and let's, let's get honest with ourselves. I think we, we pretend that we like somebody when we don't, or we, um, tell ourselves like, oh, it's not that bad. I think having a journal or just a notebook where you can write down, like, here's really what I think and feel and just notice like how that impacts you. Mm-hmm. And then asking yourself, what do I want to think and feel? How do I want to approach this person? Or can I just even neutralize them? Like, I don't have to go from not from not liking them to loving them, but I can just find a space where I can support them as a fellow colleague and human on the planet. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's great. And I recommend keeping that notebook at home because you don't want to harry at the spy situation. (laughs) Yeah. And it just like, like as a coach, like your job at work is to hold space for people, but again, you've got to go home and have that. Yeah. Definitely make that confidential and private. But I, but I, I really, really recommend there's a difference between like sitting and thinking about it Mm -hmm. versus sitting and putting it onto paper because it gets it out of your body Mm -hmm. and it helps you see that your thoughts are not you. They're just, they're separate from you. They just, they just pop up in your mind and you have them. And then you're going to have judgment about them because you're going to say, gosh, I'm a terrible person that I think this about this person, but noticing it and just being like, oh, I'm having the thought helps you separate you from your thinking. And it helps you that helps you neutralize that person because you can see them as separate from you, separate from your thoughts. And here's the secret, you guys, you don't have to love everybody to work with them. Right. You just don't like they're not, not all the people are going to be your people. So just neutralize them, offer support, and they get to decide how much they are willing to receive from you. And you don't have to like bang your head against the wall with people who don't want to receive coaching and who don't want to evolve their practice. And they don't want to involve themselves, evolve themselves personally. Like that's not your job to force that. It's just your job to be available. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's really good advice. So how can people find you online to learn more? Yeah. So my website is Angela Kelly mm-hmm. I'm Angela Kelly coaching on all the media, like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, I do have a podcast called the empowered principal podcast. Um, you can find that on all the platforms. Um, I have a book and if, if your listeners want, um, a free download of my book, just, they can just, um, go to the website and there is a downloadable copy of the book. And then I want to offer your, um, your listeners a free resource. I'm going to send you, I'll send you Chrissy, the link. Um, it's a workbook on relationships because we've been talking about relationships this whole time. So the, um, the workbook coincides with a few of my, um, podcast episodes. So if listeners want to download that, I'll give, I'll send you the link and you can send that out to your, to your audience. That's awesome. I'm sure they would love that. That would be great. Thanks. You're welcome. Well, this was so good. I feel like there were so many eye-opening things that we talked about today, and I hope that it really gives coaches a different perspective on interacting with their admin and some ideas on how they can, you know, start, um, really building a foundation for, for good coaching through having that really positive relationship. So thank you so much for sharing everything today. You're so welcome. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thanks. Welcome. Oh my gosh, coaches. Did you just walk away with so much to think about? I feel like you might have to listen to this one again. I don't see that too often, but I think this is a good one because the coaching and the coach principal relationship is so essential. And if we can get it right, or at least make the best of the one that we've got, we can impact teachers so significantly and our school as well. So I am so thankful Angela joined us today. She shared so many wonderful ideas. One of the things we talked a lot about today was the coaching role. 
and making sure that you have defined your role really well. So on my next episode, episode 73, I am talking about the 10 roles that that coaches have and what you actually can do to define those for yourself and what they look like whenever I actually conducted these 10 roles. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. That is episode 73 and that's coming next week. And I cannot wait because I think that if we can hammer this roll out now, the start to your year is going to be so much easier. So join me next week. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.